Say hello to the bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. All right, welcome to Say Hello to the Bad Guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not going to cover too many serial killers. That's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. Honestly, you can't call this a history podcast because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. So first with us today, we got DC. What up, do? And then also with us today, we got Damien. What up, do? All right, welcome back, fellas. Appreciate it. Been a while. Glad to be back. DC, you want to kick us off? What do you got to drink today? Yeah, so from what I understand, I hadn't been following, but Bells got bought out and they're not a Michigan brewery anymore, but we still claim them. But I have, uh, you know, one of their releases that they do like, I believe only once a year, but the Hop Slam L. So I didn't have it actually the last year or two. I missed it. But this year, as soon as I heard it came out, I went and picked up a case of it. And uh, it's one of my favorites. Damien, what do you got to drink? I got a Perrin. It's also a Michigan beer. It's Side Hustle Series Disco Nights. Can's kind of cool. Oh, yeah, that is dope. Nice. Uh, Another IPA. Uh, It's actually pretty smooth for an IPA. It's first time I've had it, but I like it. It's uh, 8.5 on the scale. So I got a decadent dark chocolate, which is from Atwater Brewery. Following along kind of with what DC, DC said, Atwater Brewery originally was one of the first craft microbrews in Detroit. Mm-hmm. They now sold out to Coors mm-hmm. or whatever. The, it's one of the big companies that's buying up all the smaller breweries, but... It is what it is. I mean, look, I mean, these guys are in it to make a buck, and I right. get that. And as long as they're keeping the brewery process the same, right. then... And that's that's yeah. what really matters, because, you know, big companies buy small companies, and then they fuck it all up. Yeah. Right. So yeah. as long as they keep the quality the same... That's all that matters. I'll yeah. stick with it. And right so. now, Atwater is probably my favorite brewery, so they better keep it the same. <laughs> <laughs> Support for today's episode is brought to us from Manscaped. Exciting news across from our friends at Manscaped. They just launched their fourth generation performance package. This ultimate package includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Manscaped, the leaders in male grooming, have done it again to make your grooming game next level. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with the new performance package 4.0 by going to Manscaped for 20% off plus free shipping with the code BADGUY. So DC, I know you got the performance package. You got any any thoughts? Well, this is what's funny. Before the podcast started, we were actually just kind of sitting around talking, having a little bit of drink, right? And we were talking about as you get old, for some reason, you get hairy. You get hair in weird places, right? <laughs> One of the things that the performance package came with, it came with that nose hair groomer, right? So listen, as I get older, my nose and my ears, I don't understand what now. I wish all of that was coming on my head, but I'm bald, okay? (laughs) So instead of it growing on my head, for some reasons, the follicles decided to start growing out of my nose and my ears. But the best thing about that is in that package, you get the the nose trimmer, you get the the Lawnmower 4.0, you get pretty much everything you need to stay groomed, but then also stay fresh. You know, I think in the package we got, you had the ball deodorant, you had 
What was it? Uh, it was something else in that package also. But as you know, I even reordered the ball deodorant. So yeah, <laughs> that's some good stuff. So they had a, it's the crop preserver and the crop reviver. What it is, one is like get fresh out the shower, and then the other one is like just a quick freshen up. But yeah, that's the big thing, man. That that kit is really a really good grooming kit, especially for our audience and reach. Yeah, and you know, I, I'll tell you what it is with the air, the ears and the nose hair, man. It's got to be age and gravity type thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the older you get, the lower your balls hang. So mm-hmm. hair follicles ain't growing up out your head. They just growing out your nose, not here. They just going lowest thing on you that they can come out of is what it is, man. That's why you lose it on top of the head That's first, it. right? Come, hey, They're just going out the easier out route. Easier sure. route, man. It, it, it gave up its struggle for the first 20, 30 years of your life. It's like, you know, I'm tired of fighting. I'm just going where I can. <laughs> Yeah, so their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. It's got a 7,000 RPM motor, multifunction on and off switch, which can engage a travel lock, and uh, 4,000K LED spotlights for when you need a more precise shave. And it's waterproof. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the code badguy at manscaped.com. That's 20% off. Plus free shipping with the code badguyatmanscaped.com. Your balls have been through enough this past year. Treat them with the best tools for the job from Manscaped. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, that light on there is a genius idea because you in the shower shaving, it's dark in there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You, you're working with restricted light because you got the shower curtain and the, the, the pretty whatever shower thing that hangs on the outside. So putting a spotlight on that joint, that's a real smart move right there. Uh, I think Tank on one of the episodes, he said it bad. He said, they were like, where the sun don't shine my ass. (laughs) (laughs) We got you. All right. And then before we get started, I got to make sure I take the time to thank Sixfo Swaino for letting us use his music in the intro. I want to thank Cancer for letting us use his song in the mid-roll. You can follow them both on Instagram. It's Sixfo Swaino. That's F-O-E. And then cancer is at cancer the god. The E is a three. And while you're in on Instagram, you can follow us at Bad Guy Podcast on both Instagram and TikTok. We're on Twitter at the Bad Guy Pod. And then if you're having a hard time finding any of them, you can go to the webpage badguypodcast.com and click through all the links there. So what we're gonna do, we're gonna get started today. So this is actually gonna be our season finale episode. And uh, growing from season one, we've increased our downloads and our listener base by over 500%. Nice. Same thing with our, you know, all our social media integration, all the feedback. So we really appreciate you guys and anything you can do, we appreciate it. So if you can go to Manscaped and use the promo code bad guy, that'll help. If not, go give us a five-star review. If that don't work, just, I don't know, tell a friend. Expose your friends and family to our bullshit fuckery. (laughs) At least do that. (laughs) So our improvement and our metrics were so far through the roof. So Spotify released the year end statistics mm-hmm. right. and across the board and all the co- growth categories, our shit was off the charts on all of them. Nice. Like nice. it just went to where it was the 999 point. Like nice. this is as far as the graph goes. Shout out to the listeners. Good that's huge. Shit. Yeah, that really is. Yeah. And like I said, and that's in downloads increase countries you know just everything every stat that you can grow in our shit was literally off the charts so let me ask this is there a country that has listeners that you've never heard of that are actually listening to you yes and it's a good thing you said that actually because i've been wanting to do this and i forget every fucking episode but malta we regularly chart 
in Malta. Now, there's other countries mm-hmm. where we chart regularly and stuff like that, but in yeah. Malta, we're consistently sometimes as high as number one in true crime podcasts. Okay. But we also consistently ranks in podcast period. So all podcasts in Malta, we usually rank in the top 100, sometimes as high as top 10. And then we're always at the top of the true crime rankings. And we don't hear much from them. I haven't got an email or social media interaction, but we get shitload of downloads all over through Malta and shit. That's what's up. Yeah. Now, I'm shit at geography. So where is Malta at? It's in Europe. It's kind of in like the Mediterranean kind of area. So it's a lot like Malta. It's similar to like Greeks or Italians. Okay. A lot a lot of Italians actually go to Malta and kind of retire there and stuff like that. Right so I would say it's in that area. I'm not good at geography either, but that would be the closest comparison. I know it was a beautiful place. I remember seeing, um, I forget, you know how some sometimes people pass around those images and it's like a beautiful beach or something like that. You're like, yeah. where is that? That looks like a paradise. And I remember seeing one of those back in the day, and it was Malta. Mm-hmm. I was like, where is that? A crazy thing about Malta is one of the things I learned about it. You remember how we covered early on. A lot of Sicilians, they didn't even want to deal with Italians. Mm-hmm. Right. It was like Sicily and Italy, and they're like, right. they, a lot of the old school Sicilians. And now this is mostly gone for the long part, you know, for the most part. But like, you know, a couple generations ago. Sicilians were actually closer with Malta. Like they were more connected to the Maltese than Mm -hmm. they were Italians. So they were more culturally connected together. See, I was going to say, I know why you over there killing it because all the old gangsters. Yo, Vinny, you're on the podcast (laughs) again. They're talking about you this time. You're a main character over there. What's a what's a uh, gangsters don't die? They just retire and yeah, go they to get Malta back and move yeah, to Miami. Miami, yeah. <laughs> right, that's the American ones. The other ones go to go Malta. There you go. All right, so we'll go ahead and get started. And the bad guy we're covering today is Ellsworth Raymond Johnson. This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface final scene. Fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend. So we got Ellsworth Raymond Johnson, a.k.a. Bumpy. So I'm sure most of you guys probably heard of Bumpy Johnson. Bumpy Johnson. So he's going to be the final episode. Uh, He's a season finale, but he's also the final wrap-up of our uh, Harlem Harlem Numbers Kingpin series. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the first season, we covered Al Capone. And a lot of people are always asking us to cover the big names. And we will. I will cover them, but we're just going to ration them out. you know. So we'll give you a big name. Once a once year. A season. There you go. He <laughs> can't give it all to you at once, man. You got to have him coming back and wanting more. That's how it is. Not so. to mention, you can find that anywhere. But, the you know, you putting some of the stuff out and doing the research on people that almost none of us have heard of, to me, that's more like I'd rather hear that. I'm going to hear in some way, form, or fashion Al Capone's story at least twice a year anyway. Right. 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 But how many times am I going to hear Super Killer? Exactly. Yeah, you know, I want to hear about the goons, too, because, you know, the head motherfuckers in charge, they wasn't doing all the work that was actually, you know, that made them where they're at, you know, that put the money in their pocket. They were getting kicked up, too, through all these other guys. I want to know about the grinders, too. Right. You know? Well, and really, so if you listen to our podcast, even before we covered Al Capone, you really know the Al Capone story Mm because you're hearing it from... His predecessor, his enemy, mm-hmm. his right-hand man, uh, the mm-hmm. guy that came after him. You know what I mean? You're hearing right. it from all these different angles. So in reality, we got to Al Capone eventually, but now it's also very thorough because 
we covered everybody. And yeah, we could be the 10 millionth guy to tell the El Capone story, or we could be the second one to talk about Machine Gun Jack McGurn. There you go. You know what I mean? So Bumpy Johnson was born October 31st, 1905 in Charleston, South Carolina. So this was a, a really rough area of Jim Crow South. They were notorious for lynchings. They were extra racist in the segregation. It was, wasn't even just blacks and whites. Even with the blacks, it was like blacks and then darker blacks. Like it was, it was like extreme racism level. Like it's so, it was some of the worst of the worst in that century. Because it was at a time in 1905 where some of the country still hasn't made the switch over. You know what I mean? There's still generations that are alive from the antebellum South. Yeah, and I know there was an island somewhere in South Carolina that it was so secluded that I don't I don't want to say a number because I don't remember how many number of years after slavery was over that they still were using all the methods. They were still using all the methods mm-hmm. that they were for slavery. Like the people didn't know that slavery was over. The owners knew, but the slaves had no idea about it whatsoever, and it went on for so many whatever number of years it was. Because they were yeah. so far removed. Yeah, they were so well, far removed and secluded from everybody else. They didn't know nothing about the Civil War, nothing. They just knew that this is this was their this life. Was just their in life. general, yeah. um, so that's a big thing, but just in the South period, that happened in a lot of places. You know, people don't understand, especially people that have been born within the last 20 years, they don't understand what they live in and how fast information can get out that wasn't the way it was back then oh like, hell you know nah. you th- this information didn't just go out to everybody and the same racist people that had the slaves were also the same racist people that had the newspapers mm-hmm. any you know there may have been one tv station in your whole you know in your whole state you know what i mean so right. that you know all of that stuff was really really controlled so there were a lot of areas where well past when slavery was abolished people didn't know and they were still being treated the same he was one of seven his dad was a fisherman his mom was like a maid and a house uh housekeeper and she'd sometimes go up uh, go up to New York to work for wealthier families every once in a while for extra money and stuff that like that. Big money. He had a bump on the back of his head that earned him the nickname Bumpy. It said a large bump. I've seen pictures of him. It's mm-hmm. not large enough that I can see it in pictures. And, you know, it's a mugshot. Right. But, yeah, there's all kinds of different stories you could hear. It's about, like about different reasons he was called Bumpy. He was called it his whole life, and it's because he had a big bump on the back of his head. For all I know, it might have been something that he kind of outgrew. Because, like I said, in any of the pictures, I don't never you can't see, see. Can't see that knot on the back of the head. Yeah, and he was quite the ladies' man too, and that didn't seem to be a problem. So, plus, you know how it is when you get nicknames as a kid. Kids are so cruel. You're around a bunch of kids, and let's say most of the kids your age were a size six shoe, and you're a size eight. You might get the name Sasquatch. Everybody mm-hmm. like, hey, his feet. I saw pictures. They don't look that big. It's just bigger than everybody else around yeah. you. Kids are cruel when you're younger, and most names are about whatever your defect is. Most nicknames now, that is. Now, 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 let's be honest. Mm-hmm. It's not kids that are cruel. Mm-hmm. It's motherfucking adults <laughs> because every fucked up, every fucked up nickname I've had came from aunts and uncles okay <laughs> it's it's your family your older family members that do this shit to mm-hmm. you it's not the kids i know exactly what you're saying but yeah you get a nickname because i've got an aunt to this day 
still calls me hippo because I was a bigger child when I was little. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it, this is 44 years ago when I got this goddamn nickname. So when Bumpy was 10 years old, his other older brother was accused of killing a white man. So his parents refinanced their house to raise the money to hide him out and then send him up to New York to live. And it was a real financial drain on the family. Uh, a bunch of the sisters ended up moving up to New York to get work up there because they just paid more. What did you say the father did? He was a fisherman. Fisherman, fisherman okay. So he was gone long He'd periods of the time. The and uh, Bumpy was basically raised by his... It was his older sister, but it was like his middle sister because mm-hmm. his older sisters went, you know, they got older and went to New York to go work and shit right. like that. So he was being raised when he was 10. He was being raised mostly by like his 14 year old sister. Okay. Mm-hmm. That scenario you just named, uh, whether people know it or not, that's more common than people would know. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the South, you would have these situations where you would have young men grow up and really see and understand what's going on with the racism and everything like that and not agree with it. And they may have, let's say, an older father, grandfather, somebody that's raising them. And a lot of times things would happen when they see that older male figure get assaulted or something like that. And them being young and not taking it like every young generation, that's the most going against everything. No, it's going to be this way. Forget about the way that it was. And a lot of times they would end up killing that person. But the way that it was, especially in the South, if you don't get him out of here, not only will he be killed, likely the whole family and everything will be burned down. And that happened a lot. And so and they were always sent either to New York or Detroit because it was more that blue collar. You can come up here at a young age, really get a, a job grind and everything like that. So that is actually a common issue uh, more than people know. Bumpy rarely attended school, but he was really smart. He was so smart that later in life, he claimed that he attended the prestigious Avery Institute and that he went to the University of New York. And everybody always just believed him because he was real smart. But neither was true. He never he never even went to like regular school. Like he didn't go to like elementary school. And you shit. hang around enough dummies that'll believe what you say, you can win anywhere. <laughs> so as a young teenager at 13 years old, Bumpy develops into quite a ladies' man. Between his popularity with white females and his quote short temper and violent insolence towards white people, his parents decided to send Bumpy new to New York in 1919 to stay with his sister. Yeah, because Bumpy was going to die. You got white chicks chasing you. You in the South and you don't, you don't be taking no shit from white people. They going to burn everything and you. So he moves up to Harlem. He lives with his sister. His very first day in Harlem, he's getting ready to go to school. So he sees this group of kids playing dice. One of the kids, the one that's losing, he starts harassing them. Starts talking shit, and they start getting each other's faces. He's uh, he's asking him what's in his pockets, and Bumpy said, uh, my hand's in my pocket. And he's like, well, pull it out. Let me see what you got in there. And Bumpy said, he said, you don't want me to pull my hand in my pocket, because if it comes in my pocket, I'm going upside your head with it. <laughs> so the guy that's winning at Dice is mm-hmm. like, hey, I got two bucks. Our boy's going to whoop this little dude's ass. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the kids that was there, a guy named Nat Parker, is quoted, he said, you know what? All right, I got little country. There's something about him I like. Take two dollars, two dollars on the yeah. underdog. I'll take two dollars. Probably big money back then, man. 
for a 13 year old yeah, yeah. that's, that's a hot 20 right <laughs> there right. yeah <laughs> they start fighting and bumpy pulled his hand out of his pocket and he had a uh he had a roll of pennies Oh, oh yeah, that's old school. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and he just beats the shit out of the kid and drops mm-hmm. him. He starts kicking the shit out of him. And then all these dudes break up the fight. And they're like, stop, stop. And then Bumpy starts trying to square up with these kids. And uh, Nat Parker was like, hey, look, I'm not trying to fight you. You just won me my, boy- my money back. You're my boy. You right. know, like, we're cool. They're sitting there fucking kind of getting at it and shit. And the truant officer comes. And they all fucking bounce out. And they take off and he don't know where to go. So he just follows them. And they all just run away. The dude that's sitting there beating up gets picked up by the truant officer. And bounce out. <laughs> that's fucked up. You got your ass whooped. Plus, you getting snitched on because you wasn't in school. So you're going to get home and get your ass whooped. That, that's a bad day, I man. didn't even know they had truant officers back then. Oh, yeah. Well, because wow. then you didn't. Well, I mean, even... you got eight to 13-year-olds in the alley playing motherfucking crap. So, you know, somebody had to be regulating that shit. Well, and that's what it was. They were just straight up doing sweeps down the street, like <laughs> looking for group crowds of kids fucking dicking around. Well, see, in, in my era, right, because we were not that smart. If you wanted to catch all the kids skipping, you just go to, uh, you know, at the time it was uh, Fairlane Mall. Mm-hmm. Just go to Fairlane Mall and then you'll catch a bunch of kids and then you just round them up in the mall because we were not that smart to know <laughs> that, hey, we can tell that you're way too young to be in this mm-hmm. mall by yourself. During school time, mm. yeah, just go ahead and uh, come with us real quick. So they get away. This group of kids is playing dice. It was Finley Hoskins, Junie Bird, Nat Parker, and Steve Mitchell. Mm-hmm. These dudes will be his boys, like for the duration of this story. He's about to run with these kids that he met in a fist fight at a dice game. I mean, that's kind of how you made friends back in the day. Mm-hmm. I don't think growing up. I can't think of any of my friends growing up that we didn't have some type of fight, wrestling match, altercation. Something happened that kind of forced you all as friends, and it was like, oh, we're just going to hang together. So from that day on, Bumpy never went to school once, but he didn't never told his sister. So he'd just get up every morning and leave and uh, go run the streets with Junie and Finley and fucking that and shit. and. He started off making money selling newspapers and sweeping floors. And then they moved into pulling robberies and pool hustling. And then eventually he said he kind of watched the current landscape and he watched how the other gangsters out there did shit. And he said uh, he thinks he sh- we should move in this protection racket. Start collecting mm. money from some of these businesses. Now he's still 13 at this time. Yeah, right? he's 13. So he's got a gang of 13 year olds. And he's like, you know what? We're going to step this up a notch. And shit. We're going into the protection racket. And uh, they find this brand new grocery store that's right down the street from when it's open up. And they go in there and they're like, hey, you know, you're in our territory and uh, you can go ahead and kick us up some money and we'll take care of anything. We'll protect your business. And they're like, <laughs> nice place you got here. <laughs> Be ashamed if something happened to it. <laughs> and the grocery store is like, all right. Well, when the, the reigning neighborhood extortionist, a guy named Bud Hewlett, finds out, as you can imagine, he's not happy. He's like, who would the fuck you mean you're already paying protection to somebody imagine you a grown-ass man nice place you got here yeah be ashamed if something happened to it i already got somebody that takes care of that you got somebody fuck you mean who Ah, this group of kids here no how, how fucked up is it that the 13 year olds beat you to something that i'm sure he's been doing for a while 
and Bud Hewlett was a legit gangster. So he was one of the known badasses in Harlem. He finds out that Bumpy already snaked him on this brand new fucking grocery store. So he's like, what the fuck? And Bumpy agrees to meet him. <laughs> this kid got a lot of balls. <laughs> yeah, Bud's like, wait a minute, this kid's gonna, oh, he's gonna meet with me? Okay. Thanks, buddy. Let's talk about it. You know, you usually find out most of these dudes that we talk about were like this at a very young age. These, This type of personality doesn't just pop out when you're 20, 30 years old. Damn. They usually already have it, and they're usually pretty, you know, brave men. So Bumpy meets with him and he says, look, it's ours. We talked to him. It wasn't yours. And we got in there and it's ours. So it's ours now. Bud Hewlett told him that Harlem was his territory. And Bumpy said, well, maybe, but that grocery store is our territory. (laughs) (laughs) You got everything else, but this one right here is us. Hey, you know what? You can't even, as a grown man, I'm like, can you believe this fucking kid? I like this fucking kid. I, I got to get this kid some yeah, work because you know what? Yeah. This kid's got stones. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of exactly what happened. He respected the fact that he wouldn't back down. Mm-hmm. They ended up working out a deal where he let him keep his grocery mm-hmm. store and let him expand some protection racket. I don't know what the exact deal if they if he was getting a cut or mm-hmm. if they stayed in a territory right. or whatever, but he seriously was just impressed enough that he was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like your spunk kid, go ahead. I guess, yeah, you're, I mean, guess for, you're in the protection game. You know, you got a 17 year, 18 year old doing that. Now I'm gonna smack the shit out of you and put you in the hole. But it's a 13 year old kid. You, know, you, you, you got a little. I don't know if it's so much as respect that you know what I see me in this kid, even though I wasn't this kid when I was that kid. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So him and Bud would kind of be like frenemies the rest of their fucking life. By the time Bumpy was 16. They were an established gang with an extensive protection racket. And one day, Bumpy meets with Bud, and uh, Bud tells him, so you guys are really coming up. You should do what I'm doing. You should move into, uh, I'm doing protection for these Harlem's number runners. There's dozens of them, and they're making so much money. And they ain't gangster, you mm-hmm. know? They need p- people to make sure that they won't get kidnapped and shit. You sure. should. It's easy fucking money. You should do it. So Bumpy looks into it, and soon Bumpy and his guys become a top muscle crew for Harlem Numbers Bangers. And while still teenagers, him and Nat got a job working for a Cuban racketeer named Alex Pompez. So Alex Pompez was a Cuban immigrant. He was an Afro-Latino, so he's Cuban, but he's a black dude. And he made a shitload of money in the numbers game. Mm -hmm. But he was one of these guys that was a legit businessman. Mm. So Bumpy and Nat are working protection for him. Like I said, they're teenagers still. One day, late at night, an armed man comes out of alley with a gun. He tries to rob Alex. So Bumpy, who not only was a good fighter, he considered himself a knife man. Mm-hmm. Like, he always carried a gun, but he always carried a knife, too. Okay. And uh, Bumpy pulled out a knife and slashed the guy across the face and knocked the gun out of his hand and then pushed Alex into the car. Mm-hmm. Then he turned back around and slit the dude's throat and then cut, cut him across the stomach. And then kicked him into the gutter. So while all this is going on, the police kind of hears a commotion. And uh, this policeman comes running. So Bumpy drops the knife and Nat kicks it in the sewer. And the cops come. And they start demanding to question Alex. So they see this guy and uh, Mm -hmm. Bumpy's like, hey, he attacked me. I don't know what's going on. And they're like, okay, well, we want to talk to this guy in the car. And Bumpy tells him, no, you don't got to talk to him. He doesn't speak any English. Let's just leave him alone. And the cop's like, no. We need to talk to that guy. Get out of the way. Mm -hmm. So Bumpy looks at Nat and tells him, get him out of here. 
and punches the cop. Damn. <laughs> so he starts fighting this cop for minutes with one hand because he's got one hand on the cop's gun, so the cop can't pull the gun, and he's fighting him with the other hand. Bumpy fought the cop until three other cops had to show up to subdue him. And Alex Pompez was so impressed Mm -hmm. and so glad that not only did he save his life, but he saved him from having to answer to the cops and shit like that. That he put a shitload of money into his legal fund. So he was arrested and charged with resisting arrest, assaulting an officer, and attempted murder because the guy ended up living. Pompez paid for all his legal funds. And uh, Bumpy ended up getting off all of it with one year of probation. How big was this fucking kid? Because first of all, how bad was this fucking robber? You got a gun pulled on somebody. You get your face slashed, your gut cut, your throat cut, and damn near left for dead. You had the fucking gun. I mean, I ain't never robbed nobody at gunpoint. But I'm thinking if I'm robbing somebody at gunpoint, I have the gun out. You know, that's why it hints the name gunpoint. Yeah. And then you get your ass whooped with a knife. And damn near left for dead. Then yep. the, you know, then the kid's beating on the cop while holding on the cop's gun, and it takes three additional cops to help him subdue him. So did, did you got like a size on him? I'm thinking, you know, he's like seven two, three fifty. You know, at that sixteen, you know. So he's he's actually not big at all. He was. Right. I have him as an adult, topping out at like five eight. Yeah. And it's crazy because he's always portrayed as a big guy. Right. But he's shorter he's, than me. He's only 5'8". <laughs> and, and not only was he 5'8", he wasn't necessarily stocky either. But he just was strong as fuck and he could fight. He was farm strong. Country that, strong. It's a country thing. Country strong. For that that guy that tried to rob him too, you, you, you have to guess there was some element of surprise. You see this guy, he's a big number guy. You see this kid hanging around. You probably think the kid is one of his runners. You right. don't think the kid is the muscle. <laughs> <laughs> right and then all of a sudden he's like get in the car <laughs> you know and, he, you know, got your ass door rolled yeah, by Bucky yeah, exactly. Johnson motherfucker I don't think you're expecting <laughs> that you know Pompez would remain loyal to Bumpy for the rest of his life Pompez also made so much money he bought several Negro League baseball teams he ended up getting voted he's in the baseball hall of fame now alright we're going to take a quick smoke break refill our drinks and we'll be back in a minute Punches. 
Bumpy begins, eventually he ends up working exclusively for Stephanie St. Clair, who is known as Madam Queen. Mm-hmm. And she brings him on and says, look, I want you to work for me exclusively. And he brings in his crew and he starts off protecting her spots. And then she sees some potential in him when she, one day she catches him reading a book that's called The Black Phalanx, which mm-hmm. is a book about black soldiers in American history. So he's reading that book and she's seen it and she's like, Hey, uh, that's Black Phalanx. That's, you know, about to, uh, he said, he offered it to her. He said, yeah, you can read it if you want. It's my favorite book. I've read it like 10 times. I just reread it sometimes. Mm-hmm. So she's like, wow, this kid's pretty fucking smart. Like, <laughs> Wait like, a minute, like, you read? Yeah. I thought you were just a gangster. <laughs> like, you, you, you read books? <laughs> well, and so this is some of the stuff she likes about him is he is a good gangster, too. Mm-hmm. He is good at that. But so she catches him reading this book, you know, and she's like. Ooh, wow that's you know that's that's odd mm-hmm. and then she gets to know him and their ideology matches up a lot because she also she was from um martinique mm-hmm. and where she came from black people had been free so they didn't right. have this understanding of oh you know the white man is this and mm-hmm. we're lower class or that she didn't get that mm-hmm. so then she comes to america and she was kind of like no, I don't take shit from dudes. I don't take shit from white people. I don't take shit from anybody. What do you mean I can't be the boss? Yeah. Well, and then Bumpy was like, hey, what a coincidence. Oddly, I don't take shit from anybody either. I don't take shit from white people. I don't take shit from anybody. I don't put up with white people's shit. We yeah. get along. 
Well, the, the difference was he was more like a, the headbuster, and she was like real into like the Harlem Renaissance. You know what right. I mean? And like kicking back to the community and supporting black businesses. And so she kind of brings him under her wing, and she starts teaching him that end. I mean, for one, she teaches him like the professional side of the business. You know, mm-hmm. like hey, this is like organized crime. But she also starts introducing him to like upper class type stuff. She would take him to operas and so she polished him. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, like she introduced him to poetry. And Bumpy Johnson, not only did he love poetry, he would read it. He wrote poetry. Like he was having published. It. Really? Yeah, he had poems published in like in like his fifties and sixties. Like he'd write poetry his whole fucking no life shit. after that. Yeah. And he was pretty good. I mean, he see, was... I've because I've seen Hoodlum. I'm sure we all have. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So that's about the uh, other than what we're doing now. My extent knowledge of Bumpy Johnson, but nowhere did they say that he did poetry and actually had something published. That's really cool. That's you know, that's something else. Yeah. Well, and it's the, it's the real duality. Like we've seen, he will fight a cop one handed mm-hmm. until right. all his homies come stop, and then he write a beautiful poem. That you published, like, ah, that Bumpy. Man. How I so- whooped your ass. <laughs> Let me count the ways. By Bumpy fucking Johnson. <laughs> you gotta have a calm to the storm, you know? Yeah. I think most people, and you know, I've talked about that on a few, I think on a few different podcasts, because I know I'm like that. Most most people, especially if they're extreme one way, you better believe they have some type of opposite extreme that you wouldn't think that they have, mm-hmm. right? And Because it, it's something that has to level them out. You know, unless you're just, you know, a person that's completely insane off your rocker, just to maintain your status, so to speak, within society, you have to have something that balance you out. You know, so it's it's, it's just like um, a lot of times you hear about guys that may be the most dangerous guy, killer, whatever, and then he goes home and his wife completely runs the show and might slap him. And you're like, how yeah. is that even possible? Mm-hmm. You even hear about that in the business world, you know, it's represented in a lot of movies in a little bit of different way. You have this really, really powerful guy, right? And he controls everything and he runs everything. And then that's the guy that's getting whipped by some dominatrix or something like that, right? Paying some lady to yeah. stomp on his balls. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You, there's always a balance that you're you're balancing out in some way, form or fashion. And, you know, some people can creatively do it within, like, writing poetry. And then, to your point, some people need a kick in the balls. <laughs> Speaking of which, if you got to get your balls stamped on, make sure you have a manscape. You want, you want some clean stomped on balls, man. Watch balls be squeaky clean. Don't want those, nothing sticking or getting caught. Those balls are smooth as eggs. <laughs> Even though he starts learning some culture, the problem is he's a street-level guy, and he's good at what he does, and he's still young and uh impulsive he's got some temper issues and some impulse control issues and he spends over the next few years well next bunch of years so i'm sorry when he meets queen he's still 16 at that time uh so he'll be about 18 or 19 so this is like uh 1924 1925 okay so he'd be about 1920 okay so he's starting to get a little older 1925, he gets sentenced to two years in Omaya prison on a burglary charge. Then in 1927, right after his release, he got two more years in Omaya for assault. And he gets out on that one. And then five months after that release, he gets sentenced to two and a half years in Sing Sing prison for grand larceny. While he's gone, Dutch Schultz moves into the Harlem number rackets. And most of the independent black operators handed over their their businesses right away. Uh, most of them, they just really weren't built for gang war. 
Well, like you said, they weren't gangsters. They were yeah. just hustlers. That's all they were. You know, they had either the speakeasies or the booze or the numbers. They were just making money on, you know, yeah. top of whatever anybody had to spend a couple pennies and nickels on. And they might have even been tough or scrappy or whatever, but Dutch Schultz was a mob boss. Right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He was running a legit crime organization, and they weren't built for fucking, you know, they just weren't down. Mm-hmm. Um, except for Stephanie St. Clair, who decided to fight and she refused to hand over her policy bank. As soon as she refused to hand over her policy gang, her, her number runners start getting beat, you know, snatched off the streets, kidnapped all these other people, more bankers keep handing over their operations. And then she was able to actually rally her gang behind her and get a few crews to go with her. So out of the dozens of operations, she got like a handful to stay with her and she kept having like these rallies and giving speeches and the two big things that kept people on her side and she was inspirational. People loved her. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Her men loved her, but she would say, uh, she would always say, what kind of men leave a woman in a fight? Mm -hmm. And yeah, it always make these guys like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And then uh, that's real shit. Ah, And she just speaking truth, man. (laughs) Well, another one she'd always say is, so you guys are just going to hand your business over to this white man? <laughs> so she just kept saying, and every time she'd have a whole bunch of guys who were like, oh, oh damn. God damn it. I Got really just, I just really wanted to be done. And she just keeps, <laughs> fuck, she keeps making me feel like a pussy. All right, get the, get the shotgun out of the closet or whatever. I guess we're going to war. So. You don't become a leader without knowing how to motivate your men. That's it. <laughs> um, But they're getting the shit kicked out of them. And they basically tread water until Bumpy gets out of jail. Bumpy gets out, and as soon as he gets out, Bud Hewlett comes up to him, and uh, he tries to recruit him to go with Dutch. They're kind of bullshitting, and uh, Bumpy tells him, you know what, I'm just going to stick with the queen. I've been in and out of prison for six years. She stuck by me. He did ask him, he's like, well, I don't know. What are you guys paying? Mm-hmm. And Bud's like, I will give you like 200 a week. And he's like, all right, yeah, now I'm going to go with the queen. <laughs> And uh, Bud tells him, he's like, all right, well, you know, that means we're going to see each other out here then. And he was like, all right, well, I'm hoping to see you first. <laughs> and uh, Fuck you and that 200 $200 a week. I would have told him go fuck himself. <laughs> well, and they said uh, after that, they just dabbed each other up and left. I'm like, all right, well, see you out here on these battlefields eventually. So he goes to the queen, though, and he's like, I don't know, man. This is a really tough fight. I don't know if we're ready for this. And she's like, fuck that. I'm not handing this shit over to him. I don't give a fuck. And uh, he says, okay, well, I got a plan. But here's the problem. We're not going to bring in much money, but this war is going to cost a lot of money. And that's why he's saying, like, you're thinking, mm-hmm. like, he's like, this is real gang war. And mm-hmm. they have the, the resources for this. We don't. Right. And she's like, well, we got to come up with a plan. So he says, we need a shitload of money. He said, because we need to, while we're not bringing money in, we need to be able to pay these guys more than 200 bucks a week. Mm-hmm. So that was the one thing. That's why he wanted to find out how much, how much Dutch, he was paying. Nah, he's like, how much is he paying? Two, mm-hmm. Well, he's paying 200. So he said, we got to pay more than 200 a week. And we need to make sure that we have enough money to, like, we're out manned and we're out gone. Yeah, we need so, ammunition. We yeah. need guns. We need the whole nine yards. We need legal fees. You know, if these right. guys go to court, we can't right. fucking just leave them in there and shit. So that's all going to cost a bunch of money. So she says, all right. You go get a gang, and I'll go get fucking uh, a bunch of money. I'll go get some money. <laughs> and she did. She goes out with a rally and cry. And uh, a lot of her money she got were for people that had sold out to Dutch. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the money she got, like Alex Pompez, he sold mm-hmm. out his operation, but he still had a shitload of money. And he was like, mm-hmm. yeah, how much you need? You know, Casper mm-hmm. Holstein was a millionaire. 
he coughed up a bunch of money. So he wasn't prepared to fight the fight, mm -hmm. but he had some money to throw their way. And then even a lot of like the local, the black businesses in Harlem that weren't mm -hmm. involved in the numbers racket at all, they were still like, hey, I'm not in that fight, but what you need? I got, you know, mm -hmm. they would throw money on it. So she just basically fucking through a big old like a GoFundMe, like go fund a war against well, Dutch probably, you know with, with the businesses that weren't even having nothing to do with that they were probably being fucking harassed by Dutch Schultz's people come through the neighborhood probably tearing up shit or whatever the fuck they were doing so they're like we'll give you some money to get this motherfucker out of here because he's fucking up everything then you got the guys with the money they're like we weren't gonna fight him but you guys are crazy enough he took our shit so we'll get, you know, what I, I can see that, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he fucked up what I had going on. So, yeah, I can kick in something, you know, like, y'all going to go fight the fight. I ain't going to get in the fight, but yeah, I'll kick in shit. So Bumpy gets his gang together. He comes up with 10 dudes, including him. So nine dudes and him, but it's all his boys. Mm -hmm. uh, when he first put his gang together, some of them were hesitant. Nat Parker was quoted as saying, uh, I'm in. Shit, I ain't never shot a Jew before. <laughs> so it's like you got a little list. Like, yep, yep, got him, got him. Got oh, shit. Not a Jew. <laughs> so they fought a guerrilla-style war against Dutch for years. Uh, any businesses that he set up in or supported him, they'd go vandalize him. And they always knew where he's at. They always knew where his guys were at. They always knew where they were operating. But they were able to kind of just fucking fade into the neighborhood real easy. Bumpy and Bud had multiple shootouts against each other. And they both shot each other. Nobody either died. Nobody looking when they shoot. Everybody just got their hands over the hoods <laughs> of old Fords and shit, hoping that they hit something. But Bud actually ended up bowing out fairly early. He got busted on an unrelated charge. And then most of his gang kind of just dissolved after that. But Dutch didn't like coming into the neighborhood. So Bud gets busted, and he brings in another black dude. I mean, he's a guy from Chicago named Ulysses Rawlings. And this guy was a real dirt ball because he was, like, basically proud of. He was out there like, yeah, I'm Dutch's new black guy in this motherfucker. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> but they heard he was tough. So Bumpy was like, well, I want to go see how tough he is. So Bumpy rolls up, with him, uh, rolls up to him with a knife. Here's he at his bar. He sees him up there. He pulls out his knife and they start fighting. They're just rolling around on the ground and shit. Bumpy Bumpy told his boy, he's like, I got this. Just I'm gonna see how tough this guy is. And they fucking mm -hmm. just start fighting and shit. And they get up. That dude stabbed multiple times, like all over his chest and face. <laughs> mm -hmm. I read as many as 36 times. Mm -hmm. Damn. And his eye was popped out, Ooh. hanging by the piece wow. that fucking keeps your uh -huh. eyeball in the socket. No. Uh, Bumpy got up and said. You guys want to stay and eat? I got a craving for meatballs. <laughs> so Rollins goes to the hospital. He's all fucked up, but it turns it. It does check out. He was tough as shit. So mm -hmm. he went there. He lived. They wrap him all up and shit. His like head's still fucking like covered in gauze. He's, mm. you know, blind in the eye. He lost mm -hmm. an eye. And uh, he checks himself out of the hospital and go gets a gun and goes looking for Bumpy. <laughs> and he catches Bumpy at a restaurant, comes in and starts shooting at him. Well, as he's shooting at Bumpy, Bumpy's caught completely unaware. He's fucked. But there was an undercover cop that was right there that's seen it. So this guy's fucking shooting, trying to kill Bumpy. And an undercover cop just comes up and snatches him up and arrests him. And uh, one of the shots, one of the bullets went through Bumpy's hat mm. and killed the lady behind him. Wow. So that guy got busted and he went to prison for murder. And he basically could have got Bumpy that day. 
but there just happened to be an undercover cop just chilling at the same place and snatched him up. Well, first of all, you was a bitch because you got your ass whooped, you got stabbed, and you went and got a gun. Now, if you would have came back with a knife, I'd have been all right with that. <laughs> but you come back with a gun and your depth perception's all the fuck <laughs> off, so you ain't going to hit anything anyway, unless it's by accident. <laughs> That's just terrible, man. During this time, Bumpy and his gang are credited with as many as 40 deaths. But even though they were able to tread water, they were still losing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because they 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 were bleeding money. So mm -hmm. they were able to fight and protect their neighborhood. Right. But you can't, you know, this guy's got a giant gang. You can't kill enough people. In the meantime, they're steadily losing money. They, they just couldn't keep that pace. You know, mm -hmm. they've been at it a long time. So Bumpy sets up a meeting with Lucky Luciano to try and see if Lucky Luciano could come in to help with the Dutch salt situation. Mm -hmm. And Lucky Luciano, you could tell these mob guys are all cut from the same cloth because he said, look, hypothetically, if I was to step in and help, which I can't, I would pretty much want to go ahead and just take everything over myself and I'd give you like a thousand bucks a week. <laughs> so either he takes everything or I take everything, but somebody's taking everything and yeah, you're pretty much going to get folded into another organization. So Lucky Luciano, and they and they actually hit it off. They got mm -hmm. along real well. But Bumpy told him, he's like, well, if you tried to come into Harlem and take over the numbers racket, we'd have the same problem that, you know, mm -hmm. we're having now. So they don't work out a solution, but they, they, they part on good terms. Like they realize they both play chess, but they can't work anything out. But in October 1935, Dutch Schultz ends up getting murdered in a hit uh, by Murder, Inc., which was sanctioned by the commission mm -hmm. on something is completely unrelated to the Harlem issue. He was mm -hmm. just causing trouble, and he got that taken out. Dutch didn't know how to fucking listen was his problem. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's 100% his problem is he didn't know how to fucking <laughs> listen. And, uh, you know, look, it also made him the gangster and the millionaire, and it got him all the money he got, but it also got him in the fucking trouble that he got in. Like, yeah. So now when he gets taken out, Lucky Luciano brings in Bumpy for another sit down because if nothing else, even the the mobsters, even the five families, even these guys were kind of like Dutch is crazy. And this motherfucker held his own with them for fucking years. Mm -hmm. So he brings in Bumpy and uh, he says, look, I appreciate what you did. And uh, let's kind of work out some terms. And uh, at one point, as they're debating terms, Lucky Luciano, he said, you know, I'm actually just trying to be cool. I could just fucking kill you guys mm -hmm. and fucking take it all to do what I want. I'm Lucky mm -hmm. Luciano. And Bumpy said, like, yeah, but if you kill me, my guys are just going to keep the fight going. And it's going to be the same problem that Dutch had. Mm -hmm. And he said, we will kill you all. And he told Lucky Luciano, he said, you can't even tell us apart. How are you supposed to kill us <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> so they come up with an agreement, and what they decided was everybody that stood against, everybody that stood and fought against Dutch Schultz got to continue running as completely independent operators. Mm -hmm. Everybody that folded to Dutch Schultz Comes over went to us. Lucky Luciano. Yeah. <laughs> and even, uh, even Bumpy was cool with that because he was like, fuck it no because he, he said those were the people that didn't have my back we told mm -hmm. them to stay and fight and they right. weren't down they, they folded so, anyway yeah. they weren't about the cause they weren't about our neighborhood they weren't about you know our families and everything that we had together fuck them you can yeah. have them i have don't them. need people yeah. like that because imagine i mean if they were able to put up that fight for some years imagine all the people that folded over if they didn't and actually join forces with the queen and bumpy yeah. johnson the extra numbers and extra yeah. money and shit. right exactly 
And then this was the sticking point where they, they hit it a lot of arguments. So what they worked out is everything, everybody that folded to Dutch went to Lucky. Everybody that fought against Dutch got to keep their own shit. But then Lucky Luciano's thing was said, he said, but also, but any new numbers rackets that come up, I get. Mm-hmm. And that's where Bumpy started to argue with them. So what the compromise was is that every new number operation that popped up, Lucky got. But none of the Italians would operate in Harlem without running it by Bumpy. And then Bumpy would get a cut out of anything any mm-hmm. Italians did in that neighborhood. Okay. Like they made a nice, nice fair trade off. Yeah. yeah. It's like a compromise. Plus, like what we were talking about before with the whole Dutch Schultz and Queen situation, there's a lot of money and a lot in not going to war. So just him being able to work something out with Lucky Luciano and not going to war meant big money back to his and the Queen's organization, you know. So I think that was a a good negotiation. There's different trains of thoughts over what happened with Stephanie St. Clair. So there's two different trains of thought. So a lot of people said like towards the end of the war, she just didn't have it in her no more. And she was mm-hmm. kind of like, Hey, I'm out. The gang's yours. Everything's yours. You could take it over. Other things I've read said that uh, Bumpy started to set up his own thing and that she didn't like it. And then they drifted apart. But either way, soon after that, she got married to a dude focused on her polit- political activism, shot the dude and then fucking did her time and retired. So either way, mm-hmm. either he started his own operations and they went their separate ways, or she handed it over to him. Either way, soon after the war was over, she kind of focused more on her political activism, and Bumpy kind of stayed with the street life shit. You know, I mean, just from the start of their relationship, she was, I'll say, more grown than he was, and he she was trying to sit there... And he was the muscle. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He, She was like, well, if I can take him, he's, he's smart. I could groom him to be something great because she wasn't sitting there just trying to be a gangster. She was sitting there trying to be something else. But he just didn't follow along. So I think it was more of just probably, it's probably they just grew apart. Right. You're right. We'll part our ways here. Yeah. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're just stuck on just being a gangster shit. And, you know, even with everything I've showed you and the things that you've learned on your own and even dealing with the Italians. You just want to keep doing the gangster shit. And you you know why I know about her uh, shooting her husband or whatever? It's only because I heard it on the Bad Guy Podcast TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> so I heard, you know, one of the clips from that episode. And so, yeah, you, you want to get some good clips, figure out what episodes you want to listen to. I mean, of course, listen to them all. But Bad Guy Podcast <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> yeah, and now, you know, I'll tell you what, that, that St. Clair episode was great, and I actually had two people that would play her. I went with either Eve, the rapper, mm-hmm. or Angela Bassett. Nice. Uh, Angela Bassett, just for the simple fact that that lady's been gunned up for, I mean, she's been built, you know yeah. what I'm saying? She's and, always and, been cut. And she plays powerful well. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. And then with Eve, because you guys said that she was tall, and Eve is, I think, like 5'9", five, 5'10", five, sure. somewhere around. I, I, I know she's taller mm-hmm. than me, goddamn mm-hmm. it. But, you know, and she's another statuesque woman, and just, she's a great actor. I've seen her in different mm-hmm. things, different sitcoms and that. But that Dutch motherfucking episode, oh, when he cut my man's heart out, you know what? I just want to say this about Dutch. I like that dude. 
I ain't like what he did with Harlem. You know what I'm saying? I got my mixed feelings about that. But that motherfucker, the gonorrhea's on the eyes? Dog, respect for that shit. That's some hey, next level Hey, that's some next level biological <laughs> 1900 motherfucking warfare shit. I'm like, little motherfucker pissed me off. I'm finding some gonorrhea putting my they motherfucking eyes. I'm telling that that's some next level shit right there, man. All right. So this is going to be the end of part one of the Bumpy Johnson story. To the bad guy, the good guy coming in last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy, the good guy coming in last place. Smell the dope when I pass by. Down bad, my mama had to be dead. Spent my birthdays in the trap. We had to work with what we had. She been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man. Plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the camera. And I don't need a hundred friends. I just want a hundred bands, a hundred jugs, a hundred scams. Hey, hey. So I don't money gram the hundred hams. So I don't money gram the bunch of. Bands. And I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the pistols. Fuck a judge with a grudge. I'm blowing crud for my mental life. Ay, and I still keep it on me Run into your big homie First you meet your dead homie ay, yeah. Say hello to the bad guy ay, The good guy coming last place You smell that dope when I pass by ay, I like my money at a fast pace Say hello to the bad guy Fast lane, let my money at a fast pace, look like a drag race. Control up in my ashtray, I'm in my bag. Hey, good girl, bad face, slim waist, and her ass fake. Hey, and she in love with the bad guy. Hey, but bad bitches never act right. Hey, she act up into that bag fly. She did a turn around at one night. Say hello to the bad guy. Good guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Good guy coming last place. Smell the dope when I pass by.